Welcome to the Jane Bond Show, from execution to excellence. And I am your host, Jane Bond, the serial entrepreneur who will be sharing with you valuable life lessons and interviewing influencers from around the country who have broken through to success, along with giving you advice on navigating through the game. Today, our topic is navigating financial freedom. Our special guest shares with us what it was like growing up in Harlem at the height of the crack era. Being blessed that he did not fall prey to the insanity, he was able to rise at the young age of 24 to the position of CEO of one of the largest banks in America. With Eagle taking flight, he retired from banking on his 30th birthday to become an author, speaker, and financial literacy advocate. Not fully prepared for entrepreneurship, he found himself back in the workforce within a year due to unforeseen family emergencies and financial hardships. This would become his biggest lesson in life. Without any further ado, and I am very excited to introduce you to my special guest dubbed the financial motivator, Mr. Ash Cash Exantis. Hey, Ash, how you doing? Hey, hey, Jane, how you doing? Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, I'm excited to bring you on the show. You have a lot of gems to drop, I'm sure, for us today. <laughs> so oh, I'm excited you, to you. have you here. Yeah. So, Ash, you know, tell us, who is Ash Cash? Ah, man, Ash Cash is a product of a single-parent home, uh, somebody who they told uh, was not going to be anything, that was going to be dead or in jail by 25, uh, who grew up in the inner city, uh, the projects to be exact. So I, you know, I'm from Harlem, New York, uh, you know, from the St. Nicholas Projects, and was uh, able to, uh, through, through my mama praying for me, through the grace of God, was able to dodge a lot of bullets and uh, be able to become a successful banker first and, you know, transition that banking career uh, into a career as a, uh, you know, financial educator and an author. So I've written eight books. Four of them have been bestsellers. And I now run a company that, you know, financial education company that teaches people how to change their mindset in order, man- in order to manage money better. Um, and so from you know, you know, all spectrums of life. I just want to help people live their best life, um, and we do that through, you know, changing the mindset to manage money better. Uh, and so I'm just someone who, who, you know, was, was counted out, but now, you know, I, I, I teach people that no matter where you're from, what your background is, what your circumstances, if you change your mind, you can change your life. All right. So now you're counted in with all of Absolutely. that. Absolutely. I love it. I Absolutely. love it. So yeah. where did you come up with the name? Because it's definitely catchy, mm-hmm. Ash Cash. Because I know the last yeah, so my, name is Exantis. So and I yeah, want to know so about that. That's a different name too. Yeah. So my yeah. So my real name is Ash Exantis, um, and it's funny because I've always been an entrepreneur. I've always uh, been someone who uh, you know took took matters in his own hand. And so at eight years old, uh, I would pack bags at the local supermarket, uh, you know, making money from that perspective. At twelve years old, you know, graduated from packing bags to selling mixtapes and T-shirts on 125th Street. Um, and so because I've always been, you know, someone who always had money, I was always a great negotiator, I was always, you know, about business, uh, it was actually a, a nickname that I was given by my, you know, by, by the streets, by my, my friends, you know, because I was always, you know, about, about money. So I, I was always called Ash Cash. 
Um, and so, you know, funny story um, is that I started my career as a banker. Uh, you know, I started as a teller, personal banker. I was a private banker, uh, and I became a CEO of a credit union. Uh, but while right, I, was working, right. I was working, yeah, I was working at, at J.P. Morgan Chase. That you know, at the time, I mean, so I was an officer of the bank. I was a VP. Uh, I had my licenses and things of that nature. And right around 2008, uh, when I was uh, starting to to write my book. Uh, it was a conflict of interest. Because I was an officer of the bank, it was a conflict of interest to me to write a book uh, and oh. be an officer of the bank. And so because of that, I was like, you know, I, you know, I'm of the mindset, you know, ask for forgiveness, not for permission. Um, and so I decided that I was going to write the book in the name of Ash Cash, my, you know, a name that made sense, a name that people knew me in the street for anyway, uh, a name right. that made sense because, uh, you know, I was talking about finances anyway. Um, and so I actually wrote my first book with, under that name. And so for a long, I mean, not a long time, I'm going to say about two years, I was two people. I was, I was Ash Cash and I was Ash Exances. Um, and it wasn't until <laughs> right. I became a full-time entrepreneur that I was able to, to merge the two uh, into Ash Cash Exances. But that's how I got the name. But it's a nice flow, Ash Cash Exances. Let me tell you, I yes. know. Listen, my name is Jane Bond, so I know. Yes, it's yes, a yes, flow yes. That you have. Absolutely, it's great. absolutely. Yeah, yes. so I love Ash Cash. I mean, Exantis, of course, that's your professional name and your your yes. your God-given name, you know, birth yes. name. But Ash Cash is really cool. It's funny. We used to call my father Greeny because he would always carry cash. Yes. So because yes. he was yes. a bar owner. So I definitely Absolutely. get it. So yes. what was it like for you growing up in Harlem? You know, I actually you're talking about my hood because I lived at 145th in St. Nicholas. Oh, nice, so, nice. Chicken yeah, Hill, baby. I was right down, right. Right, I was yes. right, in the hood, right down the yes. street from Harlem Baptist Church. That's my church yes. I would go to, and I lived right down the yes. street, and I loved it. It's full of culture, yes. you know. For but sure. um, tell sure. me what it was like. Yeah, you know, I, you know, I grew up in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, and so I'm I'm at the height of the crack era. I'm at the height of the crack yeah. era where, you know, um, drug dealing was at its high, violence was at its high. You know, I'm from a Harlem where there was abandoned buildings and, you know, there were crackheads and, you know, you know zombies almost, you know. And so I, I was exactly. able to see all of that. Um, and so I grew up in a time where a lot of who I am today, you know, I was raised by hustlers, you know, and I think that, um, you know, I don't glorify the drug game, uh, but I will say that when I was coming up, uh, there was there was more structure to it. Um, and so, you know, if you weren't part of the game, drug dealers weren't telling you to, you know, to get part of the game. They they, they knew, you know, like I played basketball, and so I, I would literally get beat up, you know, by by the drug dealers if I didn't go to if I if I if I if I, if I skipped school or if I didn't go to class or if I was trying to play the streets. And anytime you know, any of the young guys wanted to be gangsters, you know, the real gangsters used to, used to you know, throw you in the elevator and teach you what, what being a gangster was and, and you know, and, and made, you made a choice, you know. Uh, I remember so I grew those up days. In that, yeah, you know, so I grew up in that era. I grew up in the era where, you know, we, we you know, I learned the game from the streets, but I was able to, to you know, take that same game and apply it uh, in corporate America and be, and super, be super successful doing it. Um, and so Harlem was, was a place of community. Uh, we respect our elders. Uh, it was it was a lot of ownership there too. And so you know whether it was uh, the, the candy store or the laundromat or even the bar, right? So there were there were like nightclubs where you know up you know you you go inside upstairs. It's like a you know you had to have the secret password and the you know the, you had to know the knock in order for them to let you in. But <laughs> That's I, was, right. I was able right. I was able to have access to that and and to see 
you know, the old timers gambling and, you know, learning learning the game again, but just, you know, but in a protective environment. Like it wasn't the no, wild, absolutely. wild West where it was everybody for themselves, you know? You're right. I mean, I remember I came up in the same era with you, so I definitely remember that. And my father, you know, funny enough, owned bars and nightclubs. So mm-hmm. yep. I saw a lot of what you are talking about. And also, like you said, being, it, was an, it was a structure to it. Absolutely. And they didn't want you Absolutely. to rear, they didn't want you to, to, to travel down that path if you were going yes. down another path that was better than theirs. They wanted you to stay on mm-hmm. the straight and narrow. And you're exactly. absolutely right when it comes to respecting, you know, your elders, because that's mm-hmm. what we did. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. I'm exactly. on my way home. Your parents are calling you to come to dinner. Don't you hear them? Mm-hmm. And we're all on the street playing. So, yes, I, I definitely get that, and it wasn't the wild, wild west. You're absolutely exactly. right. It's such yes, a different sure. time now. For Nobody sure. cares. Sure. You know. For sure. For so, sure. You so know. when you came up, you know, in Harlem, what were some of your challenges growing up there? Um, I think, I, you know, mo- most importantly – um, you know, I, I'm a true believer in uh, you get what you put out, you know, and, uh, you know, a lot of times when people are speaking things on your life, if you believe it and you start moving in that, you know, you start internalizing what people are saying, uh, then you, 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 you really become a self-fulfilling prophecy. And so for me coming up, because, you know, there was a lot of crime, there was a lot of violence. Uh, there was this this notion that as a black man, and I'm a big guy though too, right? So I, I played basketball, uh, and so I'm six three, you know, and 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 I'm right. 311 pounds. So as a big black guy growing up in in Harlem, uh, there was just this thing that, you know, I would be dead or in jail by 25, and so there wasn't um, a, a trajectory out there. There wasn't anything positive about my life, or people weren't speaking. Uh, you know, positivity into my life. And so, you know, it was challenging. It was challenging trying uh, to, you know, go in a straight and narrow because people are expecting you to fail. Um, and, and, and to be honest, you know, when, when, you know, as a young guy coming up, you also have that peer pressure where if you're trying to do the right thing, people could misconstrue that, you know, as being soft or as, you know, especially in that environment. And so there's certain things, you know, I had to fight a lot. You know, I had to, you know, prove that I, you know, I wasn't soft or I had to, you know, do certain things in order to, you know, not have that, that peer pressure. And so there was a lot of um, uh, near misses as it relates to, you know, potentially affecting my life for the long term. Like I'm not even going to sit here and act like, you know, I'm, I was a saint. You know, I've never sold drugs before in my life, but, you know, have I played with guns illegally? Absolutely. You know, have I done things that, you know, uh, you know, now in hindsight, I'm like, yo, what the hell were you even thinking? Absolutely. <laughs> right. So I think that, you know, I think the challenge of just being in that environment um, and, and trying to, to, to stay on the, the straight and narrow was really, you know, was really, really tough. Uh, but that, and that's why I said earlier, by the grace of God, by my mama, you know, praying every day. Like every time I come, come in at 2 o'clock in the morning, all I hear is my, you know, my mom praying, you know, hoping that I, that, that I stay safe, you know. And so it was just challenging, you know, maneuvering the streets of Harlem, maneuvering, trying to, you know, trying to just, just do the right thing. Um, and so I'm just grateful that I was spared, that I was able to, you know, you know go felony free. Because you think about it, my career was, a, was as a banker. So imagine, you know, getting caught up in any type of system, you know, my life wouldn't, would be totally different right now. And so, um, you know, one of the challenges is just being in an environment um, and trying to do something different than what that environment is, is providing you. 
Um, and so, you know, being able to, to, to escape that uh, was something that, that I'm happy of. And that's why, you know, I do the work that I do now. That's why I go back to the community. Right. That's why, you know, I go to the, to, to the inner city schools. I go to the jails. You know, I go to the churches. I go to, you know, I want to make myself visible because I want to give, you know, you know, other young people uh, the opportunities that I had. I understand that so wholeheartedly because you're absolutely right. That environment could have steered you in a totally different direction. And like you said, by the grace of God and mama home praying, when you crossed the threshold coming home, she probably was like so happy that you made it home. Absolutely. Because that environment was tough at the time. Like I said, I was there. And this is a great segue to my next question because you talked about, you know, being in banking. You know, understanding money and credit are the fundamentals of financial literacy. Why is it so hard for people, especially people of color, to take this on so that they don't fall in the trappings of financial ruin? No, absolutely. That's a great question. I think that when we put it into perspective, the amount of years that we as, as, as black people in America have had access to true financial literacy, financial freedom, and even building wealth, we're talking 50 years maybe, right? You think about right. Which is slavery. Which <laughs> is not a lot, right? You think about slavery. Uh, you think about Reconstruction. You think about Jim Crow. You think about mass incarceration. You think about redlining. You think about all of these systematic, oppressive ways financially that we mm-hmm. were uh, held back. It, it wasn't a conversation that was happening in our, in our households. Yes, you have anomalies. Right. Yes, you have a few people within our culture who, um, you know, had wealth or they had businesses and things of that nature. But, but by and large, as a culture, uh, we, were, we were being taught to survive. And if you understand money, uh, being taught how to survive is the, the surefire way to make sure that, you don't have, that you're not, not going to be abundant. Right, because in order to be abundant, you have to change your relationship with money. Instead of working That's hard right. for money, you have to have money work hard for you. But if you're in survival mode, you're trying to figure out how to make ends meet. You're trying to figure out how to stop living paycheck to paycheck. You're trying to figure out where your next meal is going to come from. And so there's no way you're going to make money work for you when you're in survival mode. And so that's what I think. I think that the reason why, you know, us as a community have not built uh, as much wealth as we could have was because there was systemic things happening and, and those systemic oppressive things that are happening here uh, in America have allowed us to, to be in survival mode. But I, but, I, but I do think that the tide is starting to change as we're having these, these conversations about money. We're having conversations about real estate. We're having conversations about wealth and how to create generational wealth. We're starting to see that change. And the great thing about it, it's changing at a time where we have more access, right? Because you think oh, 10, God, 15 you years ago oh. where – you, you know, you needed the encyclopedia. You needed brick and mortar. Absolutely. You, needed, you, know, you, you, you know, in order to even uh, start a business, you needed capital. But now, literally, like, as you hear the, the sound of my voice, you can literally start a business, like, right now with no capital whatsoever uh, and be in business and market it to, uh, to, to the world. Um, and this is something that has lowered the, the, the barriers of entry. And so I think we're in a Absolutely. great space. As it relates you're, to the you're, you're so right about that. It's so funny because I just heard Kevin Hart talking, and he was saying, you know, the same thing you just said. We were in survival mode. 
We were going to get yes. that credit card, and we were going to max it out, and you weren't getting no money from us. We were going to the yes. next thing. Or yes. we were going to get our buddy, we'll put it in his name, co-sign it, and then it would ruin his credit and didn't matter because I would use mine later on. I mean, exactly. it was a vicious, vicious cycle. And I mm-hmm. think, um, matter of fact, I know what you're saying is correct as far as your relationship with money. And a lot of us, you know, as African Americans, we didn't grow up in a household that we were taught what money meant or what mm-hmm. it meant to save or, or have good credit or, you know, be on the straight and narrow with anything that we wanted to do financially because we never understood it because we were always in survival mode. You were either from Absolutely. a single parent or you were with both parents and they didn't make enough money to even feed you because they were working so hard and so many hours. And I definitely gonna, I'm def- we're definitely going to touch on access because that's a huge part of this conversation. So I'm going to go into the next question with you. African Americans don't realize, don't realize a lot of them, and you know, sometimes a lot of the people that I come into contact with as real estate agents also, until it's too late that their questions can be answered if they knew which ones to ask as far as mm. financial literacy is concerned. The narrative has definitely changed, and I thank you, you and so many other influencers out there that are changing the narrative. It's amazing what's happening. So as far as that's concerned, they don't understand to, under, to, to ask the right question. And that question usually comes from a cause and effect. So at that point, they're too late. So now it's why. Mm-hmm. Why does that happen? Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, again, it goes back to um, not being given the proper education, you know, from start. Uh, you know, I believe that financial education should start the moment a child knows how to say these two words, can I have, it's three words, right? The moment a child knows how to say can I have, that's the moment that financial literacy needs to start. And so that's at a young age where you go to the store and, you, you know, your kid is asking you can they have something from the store. Um, and I think because that, that information is not happening, you know, early on, uh, that's why we don't know what questions to ask because conversations are not being had, you know, you know, parents, you know, I remember growing up, you know, my, my mom would be like, it's none of your business, right? Stay out of grown folks' business when you, <laughs> right? when you start having these conversations about money. And that, that's a disservice because, you know, even for me, I didn't learn how to manage my money until I, until, until I was 18 years old, until I had messed up my credit and I had to learn via trial and error. And so imagine if my mom was having conversations with me about credit, about bank accounts, about you know, how to, how to, you know, invest or these type of conversations, things that she was trying to attempt. Imagine having those conversations with me at an early age. By the time, you know, I'm 18 and I'm ready to get my own credit card, I understand that it's not free money, that I'm going to have to, you know, use that money and I'm, you know, I'm going to you know, have to pay that money back. And so I think, number one, it's not that conversation wasn't happening at home. Number two, it wasn't happening in school either, right? And so now, you know, you go to school and no one's having the conversation with you um, about money, about financial literacy. And so, you know, that wasn't happening. And then lastly, it wasn't happening, you know, within, within our social circles because it was something that was taboo. You know, don't talk about religion, don't talk about money. And so because it was something that was taboo, you know, everybody was going through this, this battle by themselves. They were figuring it out figuring it out by themselves. They were trying to do things by themselves. They didn't know what questions to ask, who to ask, where to get the information from. Um, and so that's why a lot of people, 
you know, just made made these mistakes. But but again, now that we're at a space where you know information is just there, you can Google it. You can find influencers. You can have conversations with people. Uh, you know, you can go to your bank. There's so many ways uh, to get your an- you know your your questions answered. Uh, that that that's where the tide. Uh, you know, Todd has shifted to, but prior to that, there was definitely uh, not enough of the conversation happening. This is so true. And and now the narrative has changed. It it hasn't reached the height that it should have because I do still encounter people, and I'm, I'm talking about realtors, that don't even think, you know, about investing for themselves. Mm-hmm. They're always shopping for everyone else until the light bulb goes off and someone says, hey, would you ever think about buying yourself something? And I'm not mm-hmm. talking about a home. I'm talking about investment mm-hmm. properties. So yeah. they don't think they, they don't even that they don't even consider that. Mm-hmm. They consider just making the money and keep making the money, and allowing the bank to utilize it 24 hours a day, so exactly. they can just watch yeah. it and get yeah. nothing for it. Yeah. So yeah. you know, I, I it's it's just beyond me sometimes. But like I said, and like you said, the narrative has begun, and it's it's such an outreach and outpouring from people, you know, and the internet has just allowed us to really have access to it all. And if you take it on and you run with it and you utilize it in the right way and you listen to the right people that are out there having these conversations, you can do very well for yourself, especially at Mm -hmm. a young age today. I mean, if you're 18 and you're listening and your ears are open and you're actually listening, you could do extremely well for yourself when, by the time you're 30. Right. So, at 24, you became a vice president of one of the largest banks in the country. That's quite an accomplishment for a young man. And some would, yes. so, you know, some would be so, oh, so happy with that because it's such sure. a cushy type of job, but for not sure. you. What was your mission, Ash, at that point that you decided to yeah. quit? Yeah, you know, you know, you know, uh, so my, you know, my, 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 fir- my first book I wrote is called My Right, Money Right, 10 Laws of Financial Freedom. Uh, and in the book, I, I, I write about a concept called Be More, See More, um, and, and, or See More, Be More. Um, and what I, what I mean by that is that, I, you know, I realize that the more someone can see, the more they have access to, the more they start to believe in what they could become. And when they believe that they could become something, you know, that their mindset will start to create the ways that they could become this. And so for me, you know, at 24 years old, you know, being one of the top three bankers in, in New York City, uh, you know, in sales, I was, like, killing it. I was doing so, so, so great of a job. But, I, you know, I had already had access uh, to a branch manager who looked like me, who was, you know, doing great things, who, who was managing, you know, a big branch and making a lot of money from it. And Amazing. so, you know, having, you know, seeing that with my own eyes and, and being able to feel him and know him and say, wow, if he could do it, I can do it too. I have this, I have this belief system that said, no, like, even though this is great, uh, even though this is uh, you know, further from where I started, but God didn't spare me just so I could have just enough. God wanted right. me to maximize my full potential, and at the time, I was like, no, this is not my full potential. And so every single day, I wake up and try to be the best possible me, um, and, and even though it was, you know, you know, uh, uh, a stepping stone from where I started, it definitely wasn't the end of the chapter, and, and that's why you know, even to this day, um, I, you know, I recognize my accomplishments. I recognize things that I've done. Uh, but every single day I remind myself 
that there is so much greatness out there and there's so much more that I could do that I focus on, you know, where, where is the next step? You know, I, I, I'm appreciative of, of what I've done. I enjoy what I've done. You know, I'm, I'm in the moment, but I also, you know, have a, a awareness that if I can do this, then, then there is no limit, right? Like I believe in unlimited possibilities. And so because there's unlimited possibilities, I'm always searching for how can I maximize my full potential. Wow. And you know what that is? That's that exposure. Once you're exposed, like you were exposed to that young man. You saw what he was doing. You were right there in the moment of it, and you realized, if he can do this, I can do this. Or and I could probably do more. And that's what it's about. It's about having that exposure. A lot of people don't have that exposure, and you had that at that time in your life, which was good. So why was it so important for you to move at that point in your life? Yeah, I think, you know, uh, the one thing that I learned, right, so I was a private banker uh, managing money for wealthy individuals, and, uh, you know, my, my, uh, the least, you know, you had to have at least 250000 in investable assets for, 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 to even have a private banker, uh, and my wealthiest client was worth $22 million. And one of the things I realized in working with these wealthy clients was a couple of things, was that most of them, if not all of them, made their money through ownership. Like there wasn't someone who was a CEO of a company and because they made millions of dollars as a CEO, that's what made them wealthy. There were those who worked for money and, and you know, created their, uh, their fortunes through working. But for the, I would say like 99% of the people I worked with made their money through ownership. And so when I'm looking at the P&Ls and I'm looking at what I'm making to the bank, uh, I know – that I'm in a position of vulnerability because I'm working for money, money's not working for me, and for whatever reasons, right, I have to stop working, my income stops. And so I'm technically exchanging time for money, and I am not in control of my financial freedom. And so just understanding that in order to be wealthy, you have to own, that ownership is built with wealth, I started to look at at ways that I could create wealth, that I could create things that I own that could become income producing so I could stop my, you know, I could change my relationship with money so I could stop working for money but instead making money work for me. Um, And that's what I did. You know, I started out by just trying to figure out what are the different ways that I could create things um, and and use my intellectual property uh, in order to, uh, you know, create this, this wealth. Um, and even, you know, real estate, like that was something that, that wound up saving my life um, is, you know, having real estate, holding on to the real estate, you know, renting out that real estate. But it was the, the, the light bulb that said that I want to be in full control of my financial freedom, um, and that's, that's why I took that step. All right. Guys, I hope you heard what he said. He said he allowed the money to work for him instead of him working for the money. That is – that's the golden rule. <laughs> you have to know that. That is the golden rule of wealth, allowing the money to work for you as opposed to you working for the money and working for someone else. Absolutely. Oh, fantastic. So share with me the lesson you learned um, when you left the corporate world because you also had to go back to the corporate world. Yes. At some yeah. time point in your life, not far from when yeah. you left the first time. Yeah, it was it was humbling, you know, because I, I you know I think I think first and foremost, uh, and, and and you know I, I joke about it now, but it wasn't funny back then. 
But, you know, if you go to my Facebook page, you know, Ash Cash, if you go to my Facebook page and under my photos, you'll see you know, I threw myself a retirement party. Like, I was so uh, full of myself, right? Like, I was, you know, I had written <laughs> right? my first book. You know, I had written my first book. I was on television. Like, I was I'm on done. radio. I said, I'm done. I am retired. <laughs> I am throwing myself a retirement party. It was my, you know, I was about to turn 30 years old. I said, that's it. I'll never see you again. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I, you know, I really, you know, just thought that I was God's gift to the world, you know. Um, not realizing that, you know, it wasn't about me. Like, I, I made my success about me, and because I made my success about me, you know, I almost fell flat on my face, you know. I had to, had to put my house up for sale, almost went through a foreclosure, was getting phone calls from creditors, uh, you know, almost getting my car repossessed, like all of these things that were, that were happening at the same time that I'm, I'm, I'm most popular, that I'm on television, people are, you know, people know my name, uh, but 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 they but then again you know I'm going through all of, all of these financial hardships and so you know I had to humble myself I had to go back to work I had to you know figure out like why did I get to this space and that's how I, that's that's how I realized this philosophy I said man I'm at this space because I quit this job but once I quit the job I'm still working for money I'm still trying uh, to work for money instead of making my money work for me and that's why you know, I got into that situation. And so, you know, when I, when I said earlier that, that real estate saved my life, that's exactly what happened. You know, at the time, you know, I had a, a property that was a two-family home. Uh, that was a family home. You know, my, 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 my in-laws were staying downstairs. Uh, my family stayed in the upstairs apartment. Um, and then once, you know, we almost went to foreclosure, you know, my in-law left, uh, leaving us with a, an, an apartment that was wide open. My family and I moved to that small apartment. We wound up uh, getting our loan modified, so the mortgage that we were paying was cheaper. Uh, then we, we, we were able to rent out the top apartment uh, and just make money, you know, make money. So now, you know, we're making money enough to pay the cheaper mortgage and to have some money left over, and that's when the light bulb hit. I said, oh, my God, I don't have to physically work for this, and, my, and, my, and, and everything is being taken care of. And so that's right. when the light bulb came up and said, listen, this is the philosophy. This is how you build wealth. And so every single time I made money, I was trying to figure out what can I invest my money in in order That's to right. now create some type of cash flow so that I never have to work for money again. And so, you know, I do still work for money to this day, but I don't work for money because I have to because I have other sources of income that I'm paying, you know, paying for you know, whether it's my bills, you know, I have two kids, so whether it's my kids' tuition, whatever it is, you know, that, that money that I'm that I'm physically working for, it's, it's doing the things that I love to do instead of having to do them. Wow. So you had to kind of reteach yourself things that you had already learned because you fell flat. Absolutely. And, you know, they, they, they always say sometimes you got to take a step back in order to take a step forward. And so even oh, though, you, you, you know, I think about, you know, how uh, embarrassing it was that, you know, I almost lost my home, it was also – uh, you know, something that opened my eyes and made me realize, like, you know what, this had to happen because had it not happened, I would probably still be in a space where I'm working for money. Um, and to your point, it was something that I already knew, but because I had to live it, because I had to experience it, that's what it made it real for me. That's what it allowed me to say, you know what, this is the way, this is the mode of operation that's how I'm going to operate going forward. That's right. That's your MO for now on because you know you yes. understand what it means to stay pretty much stay safe but stay also on top of your game with your whole wealth management. 
because you Absolutely. have to manage yourself also. You know, Absolutely. because sometimes we we get that money in our hands, and we're not sure which way to go. Mm-hmm. But when you have someone that have exposed you to what to do, how to do, and when to do it, because timing is everything also as far as that investment is concerned and finding the right market to invest in. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. we also could have gotten stuck in that 2008 crash. Right. I, was almost, right. I was there too. I almost got stuck in it, and I, I just got away by the skin of my teeth and was able to really work it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that, that's a really tough lesson to learn. And humbling yourself is something, you know, you did and you, you found your way out. Right. So I think that's fantastic. Absolutely. And now look at you. You're teaching it. You're, you're, you're yes. giving it back. And like I said, God promotes those who promotes others. And by Absolutely. you understanding what happened, you were like, you know what? I'm going to give this back. I have Absolutely. to give it back. Absolutely. So that brings me to world of money Financial Institute. Mm. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, World of Money is a nonprofit organization based in New York uh, that is, you know, provides a, a, an immersive financial education platform uh, for you know students ages seven to eighteen. Uh, you know, I uh, have the privilege of sitting on the junior board of the World of Money, but I'm also uh, a a teacher for our rising over the 10 to 12-year-olds during our summer institute. Um, it started out, you know, Sabrina Lamb, who's the CEO of the organization, uh, she started the organ- organization almost 12 years ago. Um, and when she started the organization, uh, it was really because, uh, no, you know, schools were, were not teaching their, their kids uh, financial, or our kids, let, 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 me, let me correct that, uh, schools were okay. our kids you know, financial literacy, and so we decided or Sabrina's decided uh, to create this organization. And, I, you know, I've been, I've been with the organization uh, for six-plus years. Uh, every summer, you know, for three weeks, uh, you know, we, we, we teach uh, students from 7 to 18 years old, uh, and I'm the instructor for the uh, 10 to 12-year-olds, which we call them rising moguls. Um, and it's one of the most exhilarating things I, can, I do uh, because to, to be able to have a conversation with young kids and teach them uh, this information at an early age and, and know the impact that we're having on people's lives is, is just so uh, exhilarating. I, it, you know, it's something that, uh, you know, I, I do, uh, you know, you know uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to do it. It's my pleasure to do it. Um, and it is, uh, you know, an honor to, to work with these kids, the energy that they bring, um, and then the knowledge that, they, that they're able to, to get from us. And, we, you know, just because they're young, uh, we, don't, we don't hold back. We're teaching them about stocks, bonds, you know, insurance, mutual funds. You know, we're teaching them about real estate, everything, all these things, starting at seven years old. You know, my daughter wow. is uh, now 11 years old. Uh, she's been gone with me for four years, and so she's, uh, you know, uh, you know, like we, we, we talk about business plans and we talk about budgets here in the household. So I see, you know, how I love it. having, you know, having access to that information early, how can that, that can have a positive effect um, on children and, you know, your, your bottom line as a, as a household. That's fantastic because, you know, at that age from 7 to 12, even 7 to 15, I mean, they're, they're like sponges. They're retaining everything. You know, they don't forget. And, they're, and the amount of questions that come from that, once they t- they're taught something, is just amazing. So that is a very impressionable age, and that's a great age to have them exposed to all of these, you know, financial uh, vehicles from now. Um, 
So you, I, you said you just love that and that you're exhilarated when you teach the, your young people. Where did all that passion come from? I mean, because I can hear it in your voice. You thrive when you talk about that. You become, your, your voice becomes heightened. So where did you get yes. all that passion from? Yeah, I think it's, it's my experience, you know. I think, um, I mean, I'm blessed, you know, and I, and I can't, you know, I can't say it enough, you know. I, as somebody who grew up, low income, grew up in the projects, uh, grew up with roaches and rats, like legit, like not, you know, this is not a sound bite, it's not right. something that just sounds cool, like oh, I literally, you know, uh, you know, literally, you know, had roaches and, 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 and rats in the house, and so to now have, you know, from a, you know, from a, an accomplishment standpoint, I've been able to accomplish some great things in my life from a materialistic standpoint even, because I'm not somebody that's like, oh, no, save your money and live, live like a pauper. No, like I love no. nice things, you know what I'm saying? And so, you know, to live, you know, in a 4,000-plus square foot house, to have dr- driven luxury cars and, 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 you know, dine at the finest places, uh, for me to be that guy who came from nothing and been able to do that, you know, I just know that there's another side of life that just, that's exhilarating. I know that there's another side of life that if people understood it existed, uh, they would want to, you know, experience it too. And it's not just the material things. It's the, the spiritual things, the things that feel good knowing that you don't have to worry about the basic necessities, that you can literally create and manifest things with your life. Like once you experience that, you know that, you know, I want other people to experience it. Like, you know, uh, a, a Jay-Z once said, there's much bigger issues in the world I know, but I first had to take care of the world I know. And that's how I feel. Right. I feel excited because I'm like, man, like I'm from the same place. I didn't, I didn't have two-parent household. I didn't have the greatest education. I didn't have a single, you know, silver spoon where, you know, someone gave me a trust fund and I'm able to, to thrive through that. No, this was pure, okay. you know, mindset. This was pure, you know, blood, sweat, tears, and, you know, directing my mind in the right way. And so, you know, once you experience that, it feels good to, to, to help people break through their barriers. Um, and that's why, that's where my energy comes from. That's why, you know, you could feel my energy because it's oh, something I that I want other people to experience, you know. It's fantastic. You can, I, I feel it through the phone, trust me. Yes, yes, <laughs> I yes. love when I have conversations with, you know, some of my guests and they have that energy and they bring it to the table because that's what keeps people going. To hear someone yes. like you have that passion in your voice and be excited about passing that baton. Yes. And you just hoping yes. someone from the hood can catch up and grab it because you Absolutely. want them to experience that. That's the coolest thing because once you know that they have experienced it because of something you have given back, Mm -hmm. it's nothing but a great feeling Absolutely. because you have so much to give. That's the passion I'm talking about. I feel it through. Trust me, I feel your energy. (laughs) I feel it. Thank you. Thank you. So do you see a significant uptick in the black community with understanding their finances through technology? by having more access? I mean, I know we talked yeah, no, about absolutely. the narrative. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, you know, I, I think that uh, now that, you know, there's, uh, you know, people, there's so many uh, people starting businesses, people who are interested in real estate, people who are drop shipping, people who are writing books, 
people who are using apps like Acorns and Robinhood and TD Ameritrade uh, to, to right. you know, get their feet wet uh, with, with, with investing. Um, is it where we need to be yet? Absolutely not. There We have you know, light years and so many things, so many places to go. Uh, but where I do see strides, I do see, you know, when I go into the, the inner city uh, neighborhoods um, and have conversation with some of the kids that they're, they're ha- you know, they're having uh, or they're, they're listening to the conversations that the athletes are having. They're listening to the conversations that the hip-hop artists are having about ownership. They're understanding about, you know, investing for the future and, you know, you know saving for retirement and, you know, saving for their kids. Uh, college tuition, so they're having those conversations. Um, and so I, I do think that the tide is, is changing. I think that people, you know, we're, we're embracing it more because the conversation is being had at, at, at such a, a large scale uh, that, 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 you know, you know, we're embracing it. It's not something that's not for us. It's something that's actually going to uh, help us survive and thrive as a community. And so I, I definitely see uh, the conversation and, and, you know, and the tides changing for our people. And what about the millennials? How do you feel about them as far as um, financial literacy is concerned and building generational wealth? Because they're yeah. the talk I, right now. They're yeah, the ones that are yeah. out there, you know, in the field, so yeah. to speak. I, I, think, I think, you know, I think that millennials, um, I mean, there, there, there's, there's, two, there's two spectrums of millennials, right? Because I'm, I'm actually a millennial, but I'm an OG millennial. Right, so I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a millennial. Yeah, right. I'm a millennial on the older side, um, and so I think right. that there there is a there is a balance. I think that um, you know you have the younger millennials who have been taught and told like they don't have uh, access to um, you know uh, Generation X and you know the older folks who taught us you know, how, how, to, how to maneuver. Um, and so a lot of the younger millennials who were taught that they were great, who were taught that they can do anything, um, most right. of them are just, are just operating in that mode and they're not, um, you know, taking the proper actions that it takes. And so they're living in the moment and they're not saving and they're not investing. Um, they, they, they just want to, you know, have the moment. They just want to, uh, you know, have the experiences and, and, and vacation and things of that nature. And I think that's a little dangerous, you know, because what happens is that, uh, you know, even though you can Google everything, doesn't mean that everything you Google is sound advice, you know. And so for, for some, some portions of millennials, uh, they're not at that space or, or, or their mindset doesn't allow them to accept uh, you know, what people have said or knowledge of those who come before them, which is really, really dangerous. Uh, but then there is a subset of, of, of millennials who do get it, who are, you know, balancing out the two, you know, who are saying that, you know, I want to live my life now. I don't want to wait till I retire to have a great life. And so I'm going to, you know, create multiple streams of income. I'm going to, you know, do these things that set me up today so that that way I could, you know, I could actually continue to enjoy my life. And so I, you know, I, I um, when, you know, when, whenever I cringe whenever uh, the, the words millennial come up uh, because it just seems as if uh, the worst attributes of millennials is what everyone's trying to allude to. Uh, but just like, you know, just like ethnicities, just like, you know, uh, you know, you know, other generations, I don't think that there's, you know, one characteristic that could define a whole generation. I think that uh, there are other, you know, other things that go, go into that. And so for, for, the, for the most part, uh, I think that millennials are, you know, moving in the right direction. Uh, I, I feel like they're, you know, you know, a lot of them are, are, you know, a lot of us are open 
uh, to this new way way of thinking, and we're willing to uh, implement a lot of the the principles in order for us to live our best life. Okay, I, I feel what you're saying when you said you know a lot of them don't reach back and don't take on the experience of others that have come before yes. them, and those are yes. the ones that are really missing out. Absolutely, absolutely. Because Generation X was supposed to be, at that point, the smartest generation, if that's the case. So absolutely. I think we have one foot in there and one foot in the millennials as an OG. So, right, absolutely. You know, we have absolutely. a mixture of both because yes. I know it's always, always I'm reaching back to ask questions to people that have come before me that are much more experienced than I am, even yes. to get to where I am today. Yes. And, yes. and to, to, that, to say that, I'm also – indulging myself with a lot of young people that are teaching me things that I need to know also, dealing with that experience. So, you know, I go back and forth all the time because you don't want to go one way too much. Absolutely. That's that's why you see me showing up. (laughs) Exactly, right? As Erica Badu said, the man that knows something knows that he knows nothing at all, right? And so uh, you got to understand that it is, uh, it is an act of uh, stunting your growth by thinking you know it all. I learn from people every day. I have a four-year-old uh, son who teaches me things every single day. And so you have to always, if, if you want to grow, right, you know, if you want to grow right. uh, in this world, you have to always keep your mind open. And, and even from a spiritual pers- perspective, I just believe everything that is in your life, everything that is crossing your path is teaching you something. Whether it, it's up to you to recognize, you know, what it's teaching you, but it's teaching you something, you know. It, and it's all about, like you said, you know, the laws of attraction too in the universe. Yes. You have to be yes. open to allow. Exactly. And exactly. if you're not open, you can't allow it to happen. How can you exactly. change your mindset, which changes your vibration? Yep. To keep moving forward. Yes. So yes. yeah, I, I I totally agree with you on that. Mm. So. I love what you said. I, I was reading something, and I love you said you have to re-educate them. Yes. Walk, you know, walk us through some of the techniques that you use to re-educate them. And not only did you say you have to re-educate them, you said you had to re-educate every young adult child. Yes. And I thought, okay. So now I, I get it. He's not talking about just young people. He's talking about all people. Absolutely. Yeah, because you know, because you know what happens is is, is um, what happens in our society, especially now, right, where information is happening uh, so fast, is that if you do not vet the information, uh, people are putting out false information, and because there are a lot of people saying you know, or a celebrity says it, or whatever the case may be, uh, people are accepting this information as true. Uh, but even though you know, a million people might say the wrong thing, it's still the wrong thing. It doesn't make it right because a million people said it. Um, And so I think re-education is about, you know, first making sure that the knowledge that's being passed down um, is knowledge that's valid, it's knowledge that is relative, it's knowledge that, you know, that is is accurate, you know. And so the re-education piece just comes in at making sure that from a mindset you know, mindset perspective, you know, the mind is right, that, you know, that, that, that we're, you know, we, we have the proper mindset, the proper belief system, the proper gratitude as it relates to, to, to the information. Um, and then 
you know, it's really just, just vetting out the information and knowing, you know, where is that information coming from? Is it, is it you know, good information or is it information that we need to discard? Um, and I think that once we, you know, once we're able to do that, once we're able to figure out, like, you know, this is, this is the information that, that's being taught, uh, it allows us to, you know, re, you know uh, reprogram the mindset, reprogram it uh, in the right. right way, and so that way, you know, the community is, is, is moving uh, in, a, in a direction that is helping us and not hurting us. Right, because old habits are so hard to break. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, absolutely. and being able to turn people around and get them to go in the right direction is not an easy feat. Agreed, agreed. Fantastic. Um, I had a, one question to ask you, and I think what's your goal for 2020? with financial literacy and teaching people um, generational wealth? Yeah, that's a great question. And so, you know, for, for a long time, um, you know, I, you know, I love speaking. I love being on stage. I love helping people change their mindset. So for, for a long time, you know, my business model uh, was really about me uh, being able to get out to as, as much people as possible. Uh, but now for 2020, I realized uh, that in order to, you know, my, my, my ultimate goal is to help alleviate poverty, right, and in, in order to, especially in our community, um, and in order to do that, uh, you know, it's not something that, that I'm going to be able to do myself. Um, and so when I look at 2020 and beyond, I look at the, the ability uh, and the opportunity uh, to systemize what I teach, you know, so creating um, a program. I have a program called a Mind Right Legacy Builders Program, which teaches people uh, 12 steps to becoming financially free. Um, and then, you know, thinking, thinking about the trainer-trainer model. And so if I could attack every black church in America with this program and teach mm. people in the, in the church how to teach their congregation about these yes. principles about wealth, then, then that changes the landscape. That allows us to scale the message to the next level. Uh, you know, if, if I'm able, you know, when I'm able uh, to reach to all the school districts in the inner cities and all the principals and the teachers and teach them how to create uh, the trainer-trainer model uh, for the Bond Right Legacy Program and, and, and to, to build legacies and generational wealth, now we reach that, that side of it. And so, you know, my goal uh, is, to, is to find ways to uh, multiply of the impact that I'm having in the community uh, by creating systems around it. Um, and as I create systems around it, now we're able to scale this information. And so instead of, you know, building one, you know, what, you know when Jay-Z said what's, what's better than one billionaire too, well, I think that what's better than one billionaire is 100 millionaires. And so as we Many. are scaling this, <laughs> exactly, as we're, as we're scaling this information, uh, you know, to, to the masses, uh, you know, it, it's you know the goal for me is so that millions of people are getting access to the information. Uh, they're they're able to implement, uh, you know, the, the what 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 we're telling them, and through that impl implementation, uh, we're now cl you know closing the wealth gap um, and, and and enriching our communities. Fantastic. You know, this this has been an amazing interview. Um, I listened to some of your. Uh, YouTube videos, and I was listening to one where you had the five tenets, which was money, learn, earn, save, invest, and donate. Where did mm. that come from? Yeah, I mean, when you, when you think about uh, the, the four types of people that are in the world, right, you have uh, consumers, uh, you have producers, you have investors, and you have philanthropists. Um, and so, you know, a, a lot of us, we are 
only one, right? A lot of us are only consumers. We're not producing anything. We're not investing in anything, and we're not giving, you know, anything back. Um, and so, you know, save, you know, so, so, so learn, earn, save, invest, and donate is, you know, exactly the mantra that we use at World of Money. Um, and it's really just telling you, right, in order for you uh, to, to create true financial freedom, first you have to learn, right? You have to learn you know, everything that you need to learn about money, uh, then you have to earn, right? Because as, as you earn uh, your money, uh, you'll be able to change the trajectory of your life. Uh, you, you need to save that money, right? Don't only be a consumer, you know, save that money so that way you can invest that money. And when you invest that money, that's how you grow money. That's how you make money work for you. And now that you're growing money and you're making money work for you, you have to activate the law of the universe that says the more you give, the more you get. Um, and so that's, that's why right. we want to donate. We want to donate, you know, back into the world uh, so that we can circulate money and allow our, our, our birthright of abundance to, to continue to, to, to increase and thrive. You know, that's what Oprah always say, and she says, listen, the more you give, the more you get. Absolutely. When you get, Absolutely. if you give, trust me, it comes back full circle. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we have to do this. We have to give yes. back, and we have to pass that baton to the community. Yes. Because if we don't do it, who's going to do it for us? If we don't teach ours, who's going to do it? Yes. That's the only way they're going to know, and give them the exposure that you and so many others are doing. I have to say, I take my hat off to you and all the influencers out there that are creating this narrative for our young people to understand how to create generational wealth and understand financial literacy. Because I know when I was coming up, you know, I was blessed enough that my father was an entrepreneur, that I had these, some of these conversations, not all of them. And not Mm -hmm. not that he did everything right, but he did it right enough to take care of us. So I understand the importance of the impact that you all are making, no, and I just want to do my part. Absolutely, absolutely. I have one last question for you, and I didn't even – I have so many questions for you. Mm-hmm. I didn't even get through half of them, but I have one last question for you. What is one question you would have people ask themselves on a daily basis that want to break through to become financially successful? What's that question mm-hmm. should they be asking themselves? That one question would be, what is your why? Why are you here? Why are you on this earth? Uh, because I think that when people think about financial freedom or, or you know, building a legacy, um, it's always self-centered. It's like, I want to live my best life, which is nothing wrong with it, right? Uh, but, again, that principle that says the more you give, the more you get, uh, when you understand your why, when you understand, like, what is this gift? What is this unique gift that only I have? Like, why did God put me here? Once you understand your why, you understand that it's, you know, your why is going to help so many people. And as you maximize your full potential, you're able to give back to those people. And when you give back to those people, it's only, you know, you know inevitable that you live your best life. And so I would say ask yourself, what is your why? Because if all you're focusing on is, you know what, I want to live my, le- my best life, I want to live my best life, and you're not being of service, then you're not going to maximize your full potential. If you understand your why and you understand why it's important and what you give back to the world, that's going to, that's going to force you to be your best self. Because the only reason, right, and, and, you know, I, I'm a big Jay-Z fan, so I quote him a lot, right? And when, okay. when Jay-Z said, you know, when Jay-Z said, 
you know, I can't help the poor if I'm one of them, so I got rich and gave back to me. That's the win-win. It's the, you know, it's, right. it's the truth. You know, it's like, it's you know, so I, I remember being, I remember being, you know, on a Zoom call with some high school students, um, and, I, you know, I did the Zoom call. I was trying to motivate them, and they were like, you know, ask Cash, let me see your house, you know, and imagine if I'm having this conversation with them, and, you know, I live, I, I live in, you know, I'm not living what I'm saying, right? Imagine that I'm telling people, you know, life is abundant, but I'm struggling, you know, like how, right. how credible of a messenger can I be? And so when, when the young lady asks, hey, Ash Cash, let me see your house, and I'm able to show them my office, and then I go into my, you know, my living room, and I got 20-foot ceilings, and they're like, oh, my God, that's where you live. Now I, I not only inspired them, but I gave them something to look at. I gave them something to inspire towards. I gave, I gave them access to what they could potentially do. And so when I think about, people asking, you know, what's that one thing that you could be financially free? What is your why? My why right. is to in, in, inspire and motivate people. I can't inspire and motivate people if I'm not my best self. And I think that, you know, you know financial freedom um, and understanding your why goes hand in hand. And so if you want to be financially free, first understand what is your purpose? Why were you put on this earth? And then once you figure that out, be clear about that move in that direction every single day. So that way you're not, you're not you know, uh, working for financial freedom for frivolous things. You're not like, oh, okay, I just want to, you know, buy an expensive car because that's just what I want to do. Because the one thing I will tell you is that being someone who has had, you know, material things, you know, that feeling dies, right? Like if you have if, – if Quickly. If you're, exactly. It, it, it dies quickly. So if your motivation is money and things, then it's going to be a short-lived motivation. But if your motivation is every day inspiring, motivating, or whatever it is, that's my, you know, that's my why. But, you know, every single morning I wake up with a burning desire to maximize my full potential. And because I do that, everything else falls into place. Wow. I'm glad you said that because, you know, living in a life of servitude, gets you everything you could ever, ever possibly dream of. Absolutely. And that's the life you're living. Yes. Wow. We are so blessed to have you and so many others on our radar. Thank you so much for coming on our show. I am excited. I cannot wait to release this. You guys, I hope you really, he has poured everything into this interview. I am excited to release it, Ash. Thank you so much for coming on. From execution to excellence, and trust me, you have totally executed it. Thank you so much, Jane. I truly appreciate you. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed your Thanksgiving Day holiday with your family and friends and shared the love around a wonderful table full of food. Because you know we folks love our food. I am so grateful that I was able to bring to you Mr. Ash Cash Exantis. He poured so much into us and dropped so many gems on understanding how to navigate through financial freedom. If anyone can share that information with you, it is Ash Cash. Check him out on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. He also has several books for you to read to get your mind set straight on financial freedom. Once again, thank you for joining us on From Execution to Excellence. And do not forget to subscribe, write us a review, and check us out the next time. See you then.